Welcome to NFT Steez, a weekly podcast that takes a deep dive into NFTs, culture, crypto, and all things Web3. I'm Alyssa Exposito, and Ray Salmon is my co-host. Each week, we will sit down with the sector's most brilliant artists, builders, and thought leaders to discuss the growth and evolution of the Web3 space. Originally, NFT Steez was a bi-weekly Twitter space, and in the last year, we interviewed the founder of the world-famous Comic-Con convention, the artist that redesigned the NBA Finals Championship trophy, and multiple founders of well-known play-and-earn blockchain-based games, and a ton of other people who are doing amazing things in real life and in the Web3 space. Our original reason for launching an NFT-themed show was to put a spotlight on creators and give them a space where they could talk about their goals, visions for crypto and Web3, and walk the audience through the ins and outs, victories and losses of building and launching an NFT-oriented project. The mainstream media has a tendency to pigeonhole things for a variety of reasons. Deadlines, more pressing content and stories, a lack of subject matter experts who are accessible and able to come on and speak about topics in greater depth. And we saw this exact same thing happen during the NFT craze. There were just many people who said, it's a fad. It will come and go. It's just another crypto Ponzi scheme. And like cryptocurrency, the media also has a tendency to just focus on all-time high prices, all-time low prices, and the assortment of scams that occur in crypto. And we saw the same sort of discussions happening uh, when people were talking about NFTs. So as crypto natives, Alyssa and I thought, and we know that there's a lot more to NFTs than just hype. And we wanted to explore the more revolutionary and novel aspect of the culture and the industry. So before we dig into the first episode, we should probably say a little bit more about our background and about ourselves. And I know that Ray and I have worked together for a bit and we chat often. And I'm not really particularly sure that I've ever even asked you this or we've discussed it. But what's your crypto history and your journey into NFTs? I started my crypto journey in 2017 by just trading Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Litecoin. At that time, there were price spreads uh, between the different exchanges, and you could buy Litecoin or Bitcoin on one exchange for a certain price uh, low, and then sell it at another exchange for higher. Rinse, wash, repeat, put the profit in your pocket. In addition to that, the ideology of decentralization transparency in finance, having access to trading instruments, which are typically reserved for accredited and institutional uh, level investors, and the concept of uncensorable money, that was really attractive to me. I liked those ideals. They aligned with my kind of personal views on the world and my personal character. So the promise of a revolutionary change in the way finance occurs, a change in the way that consumers deal with producers, uh, cutting out the middleman and, you know, transactions. Those were all really attractive ideas to me because I feel like traditional finance exploits consumers. Banks exploit depositors. Jobs exploit their workers. So any sort of industry or movement that focuses on giving more agency to people, uh, especially grassroots movements, that products that are built by the people for people and are people-oriented or consumer-oriented or creator-oriented, 
um, that's really interesting to me. And I, I just, you know, wanted to learn more about that and be a part of that movement. So the explosion of Web3 and NFTs was also intriguing to me because it was a grassroots and creator-led movement. And I didn't really know too much about NFTs until I think it was 20, mid-2020. I saw CryptoPunks and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe that's when OpenSea had launched, but I was just perusing through these assets and this artwork and trying to figure out like, what are these things? Is it art? Are they collectibles? Do non-fungible assets have utility? Does my ownership of them give me membership and some particular space? Are these just speculatory assets where I can kind of identify a base pricing for them and then look for divergences from that trend? Is there some way I can flip these things and make money? So that's basically my journey into NFTs. All right. So enough about me. Let's hear a little bit more from Alyssa. And I I think what the audience will enjoy is kind of hearing about how I met you because I tracked you down through an anonymous. Yeah, I thought you were a scam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) The reasons why I tracked you down and try to bring you into under the fold in Cointelegraph. It's kind of a funny story. I remember distinctly being actually at NFT NYC in 2021. And I remember at this time I was doing some work for another publication that was more like personal finance, but they were kind of dipping their toes into this technology. And I think I wrote about what most people were writing about at the time, which was Board 8 Yacht Club. And I get a DM on Twitter from you, who I had no idea was you at the time, because it was just like an anonymous, not only an anonymous, but cryptic kind of message along with profile picture. And, you know, it's very typical in the in the space, but I did think that you were a scam for the longest time uh, when we were first going back and forth. And I think too, then you gave me your telegram and I was like, wait, now this has another name to it too. So it's glad and I'm happy that Ray is not a scam. He's a real person, lovely human being, and that we were able to kind of put this into fruition, which to backtrack, I became crypto curious after recognizing that the once avid Pokemon collector in me never died. And it was because of a blockchain-based game that really led me down the rabbit hole of discovery. And because these characters looked so cute and something that I really wanted to be a part of, again, it brought me back this nostalgia. It wasn't until then that I realized, oh, wait, I have to actually get crypto. I have to actually use a wallet. And at this point, it was like a light bulb moment because back then what I knew about cryptocurrency, like most people and the way that the media writes about it is it is just Ponzi, full of scams, full of nefarious acts. And it was nothing that I kind of had a grasp of, of how to actually utilize in a way that was opposite of that. So in 2020, I took the red pill, so to speak. And it was an exciting time when a lot of people within the space, even those who were in it, like yourself from 2017 and prior, were just beginning to dip their toes in what would be the new token standard of ERC 721 what we have now come to known as uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and there are definitely more standards within and across blockchains. But 
I remember when I learned about this concept, I would spend most of my days just really diving in to the rabbit hole of reading and researching how this technology would turn what I thought would be every industry on its head because of its implications, because of its integrations and the way that it would be able to minimize the gap between creator, user, consumer, whatever it is that you would call on the other side of creation. Um, it just became something that I was intrigued by the the potential social, political, cultural, and not definitely economic impact. Um, so I became very passionate about, you know, not only educating myself, but in a way where I could better dissect and present this technology to the masses while continually to learn from the diverse perspectives and experiences from people from all over the world, um, which is a very interesting element in how I got into writing as well with with Cointelegraph and also in my journey within this because I actually traveled the world and it was very interesting to meet different people and all these different blockchain, cryptocurrencies, NFT events. But with the surge of popularity and curiosity and most definitely backlash lent itself for an interesting time for us, for you and I to create a space and delve into the present landscape with consideration of how it would impact us in the future. And what was really great about, you know, the way that we started out too, Ray, is it kind of naturally happened this this podcast um we would meet every week to discuss you know what we what i like to call the tea within the sector and make our assumptions of what was going on in this space and how it would perhaps revolutionize the way that we've been interacting with certain products and it was then that it became very natural for us to formalize our conversations and bring actual people that are working within the space to talk about it, so to speak, in a way that was more colloquial, more chill, like we're hanging out and really getting to know the people that are getting the ground running with, with this. So NFT Steez was born as just a casual way to spill the tea, aka chat with founders, builders, artists, and participants on their respective experiences and expertise. So I'm really glad that, you know, we're we're here and we're now just ramping up for a very exciting time to to discuss with even more people within the space, especially for this next new year. Yeah, I totally agree with pretty much everything that you've said. Um, I'm the head of markets at Cointelegraph and was interested in NFTs at that time. And our coverage of it was really kind of surface level. I wouldn't say we had anyone who was a, a deep subject matter expert on the on the matter. Um, there's a lot of headlines, right? And headlines tend to be fluff when it comes to talking about Beeple's seventy million dollar sale, or you know, this crypto punk sold for nine million dollars, or Board Ape Yacht Club valuations hit a new high, or uh, is BAYC an analog for right-wing Nazism? You know, like yeah. headlines are sensationalized and don't really get into the meat and grits. And, you know, I've been investing in, in cryptocurrencies and trading them for a long time. So there's also, for like OGs, there's a high level of skepticism, which is associated with anything new in the crypto space that is not Bitcoin, Right. We've done that to altcoins, we've done that to DeFi, and it's been done to NFTs. So crypto-native people um, are sometimes really quick to just write off 
new things or things they don't understand or are not interested in as scams, right? So I was looking for a person who is genuinely interested and personally invested and kind of having a sociocultural and socioeconomic understanding of the NFT space and uh, just this grassroots movement and how relevant and novel it was. And you were that person. So yeah, I, I chased after you on Twitter. We've chatted about a lot. Like Alyssa said, we've discussed security in Web3. Uh, we've looked at NFT Fi, like can NFTs be used as lending assets and as collateral for borrowing? We've looked at regenerative finance and the ability uh, to do social good with DeFi and with NFTs. Uh, we've discussed the concept of self-sovereign identity with NFTs and connecting fandom with creators, storytelling, all of that. I mean, we, we've basically gone through every single corner that exists uh, to talk about. And I, I think there's more for us to explore. So that's what we plan to do once per week on Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Is that when it's happening? That is when it's happening. We have chatted with some of the industry's biggest leaders on all things from security and Web3, regenerative finance, and... Social good with NFTs, building self-sovereign identities with NFTs, connecting fandom and storytelling with legend, and we even talked to the founder of the world-renowned Comic-Con convention. Our aim is to keep the chat fresh, present, and insightful. We brew the tea, dialogue, and give you the steez. The info. This is NFT Steez. This is NFT Steez. Sounds good. I like that. Pause.